So that was kind of a little tidbit of what our scripture is going to be about. As Melinda reads our scripture, um, I want you to look for where God is in the story, how God shows God's presence and the hope that God brings to Elijah. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat. Otherwise, the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank, and then he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. At that place, he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord and the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altar, your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Aziel as king over Aram. This is holy wisdom, holy word. You. You do not. A little year, a little over a year ago, a friend of mine. I had not seen in years, asked me to get together to catch up. In the years we were apart, she had graduated from college and gone on to law school. This woman is someone that I looked up to. She is strong, confident, caring, kind, focused, and she has the most beautiful soul. When she told me she had been at law school for the past few years, it seemed like the perfect fit for her. She had been called to become a lawyer so that she could help women in need. 
While we were talking about life after school, she became sad. She had taken her bar exam and had failed. And in the world of lawyers, that's a pretty big deal, to fail an exam, and that failure would follow her around wherever she went. Even though she knew that this would happen, she moved back to Washington to try to take this bar exam again. She was studying really hard for the next exam and was praying that she would pass. She knew she was meant to be a lawyer and couldn't fathom being anything else. About a month after our meeting, she took the exam and had to wait two whole months to find out if she'd passed. When she found out, she called me on the phone. She was beside herself. She was so lost and angry. She had not passed the exam for the second time. And as we talked about it at great length, she told me she was really angry with God. She wanted to know how God could call her to be a lawyer and then let her fail the exam. Not once, but twice. I was baffled. I didn't know what to say to her, and I told her that I didn't know what to say. And that was obviously not what she wanted to hear. She yelled into the phone, Carrie, this is your area of expertise. You're going to school to become a pastor. You should know what to say by now. Obviously, I didn't. (laughs) After thinking for a few seconds, I gathered my thoughts. And I began addressing her concerns about God. I told her it was okay to be angry and that God could handle her anger. After we got off the phone, she decided she was ready to study for the exam and move forward, even though she was still angry. A few months later, after taking the exam for the third time, she called to let me know she had passed. Yay! I was so happy to hear this, as I knew it was what she was meant to be and meant to do. It's been a year now, and her words still come back to me. I know I've been called to ordained ministry, and I've taken steps towards answering that call. But it's full of ups and downs and twists. Her story and mine came to mind as I read this passage this morning. She and I are a lot like Elijah. Accepting the call is one thing. Having faith in that call, well, that's another thing. The story of Elijah is full of examples of how God works in our lives, especially when we experience stumbling blocks. When we accept God's call, we envision what that call looks like in our head. For Elijah, he was called to be a prophet, and in his head, he was going to surpass previous prophets and succeed where others had failed. For my friend, she had kind of a checklist. She assumed she was going to attend law school, and she would take the bar exam and pass and then become a lawyer in a firm. For me, I accepted the call to ministry here at Aldersgate, and I thought it would be here for at least 10 years. We had no idea what accepting our calls would mean, let alone know what path that path would be like as we began our journeys. The thing is, When you accept your call, you accept everything. Not just what we wanted to accept. Elijah, my friend, and I have all had to readjust our understanding of our calling. In the passage read today, we meet Elijah after he has triumphed in a contest with hundreds of other prophets of Baal, showing them who the real God is 
and in doing so, attracting the wrath of Jezebel. She sends out a death warrant for him, and he runs. I mean, who else wouldn't run if somebody was trying to kill you? Um, He runs for a day, and then he collapses under a broom tree. All the joy over his victory is wiped away by the fear of Jezebel. He is gripped by that fear of his perceived failure, a failure where he did not surpass other prophets. So what does he do? He gives up. He actually asked God to end his life, to do exactly what Jezebel wanted to do to him. But God won't do it. Elijah must understand he's been called to do the work of God that God has set out for him, wherever that may be. It's not easy to do that. My friend had to grapple between the vision she had in her head and reality. Was she still being called to be a lawyer if she had not passed the bar exam the first or second time? What would have happened if she'd never passed the exam? Being called to ministry can be scary and wonderful at times. I have loved being a youth director. My faith has grown in leaps and bounds because of the youth, and it's been a privilege to watch them grow. It's hard to imagine I could be called to beyond what I've been blessed with here. This past year has been a year of growth for me. I've had a major shift shift in self-image, and it all started way back in September when Brad told me to get a robe. <clears throat> My first response was, no, 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 no. Only ordained clergy can wear a robe. I'm not ordained, so sorry. (laughs) Putting on the robe felt an awful lot like playing dress-up in my grandma's clothes when I was a child. I recently came across an image that illustrates perfectly how I felt when Brad told me to put the robe on. I felt a lot like this cat. Get it off, get it off, get it off now, please. (laughs) Okay, thank you. To get over this fear, Brad had me take my new robe home and write about the feelings that this robe invoked in me. What I realized was the depth of the calling I was accepting. I think it was the first moment I began to understand I would not be here at Aldersgate forever. This place has become an extension of my family, my home, and my safe haven. I've been blessed with the youth at this church the families, and the friends we've made here. You have walked with me for the past four years as I began to fulfill my calling. I'm starting to realize that I have to move on, but it's been a slow process. I don't want to move on, and yet, I want to fulfill, I want with all my heart to embrace what God is calling me to do. And to do that, I have to move forward. It's been painful at times, much like moving a Band-Aid. We think it won't hurt as much if we do it slowly, but it just extends the process. Elijah, my friend, and I have a new understanding of our calling, but what are the next steps? We can accept what we think is defeat. We can be defined by that fear that defeat has created in us. 
Or we can have faith in God and our call. God wants us to have faith in our call. God is there beside us, walking this path. God asked Elijah why he was on the mountain. God wants to know if Elijah gets that he's been called to do more than just surpass past prophets. God has a lot of work for Elijah, and God needs to know he's willing to keep on going. But Elijah is so wrapped up in his despair, he has no idea which way is up. In an attempt to help Elijah, God tells him to go out of the cave and proceeds to show him God's power through a storm, an earthquake, and fire. Yet Elijah ignores God. It isn't until God is silent that Elijah is suddenly pulled out of his deep despair and God finally grabs his attention. I think we can all relate to Elijah. We want God to show God's power. We want some big sign. We want to know that God is there and hears us. But it's in the silence, in the quiet, we are most stirred by God. God asks again, why is Elijah there? But Elijah responds with his previous lament about not being successful with Israel. Instead of arguing with Elijah, God moves on. God gives him new instructions for the future and for Elijah's continued ministry. It's this new instruction that gets Elijah going again. What's amazing about this story is that Elijah begins this journey running away from the threat of death. And somewhere along the way, it becomes a journey to God, led by God. When we answer a call to ministry, we are doing God's work. And we are being pulled into a deeper relationship with God. We can easily be defined by our fear and get stuck. Sadly, at those times, we can also miss what God has in store for us. Elijah, my friend, and I have been gripped with fear, which is the result of losing our vision of what God has called us to do. When we close ourselves off from God's vision and focus only on our own, we get stuck when it doesn't work out. But when we are open to God's vision and we allow God to lead us where we need to be, we can then fulfill God's purpose. At those times when we are stuck, we don't need some big show of God's power. What we need is God's presence and guidance. And that's what God gave Elijah. It's what God has given my friend and I over the past year. God is there giving us a new direction, a new understanding of what is to come. And we have faith that God will not leave us. God does not give up, us, give up on us and never will. God did the same thing for the disciples when they were lost after Jesus died. When they came face to face with the resurrected Christ, they were given a new direction and new instructions to carry out their call. They could have stayed stuck in their fear, but instead they were ignited by their faith with the instructions to go out into the world. We need to answer God's call. And we must have faith in that call wherever it may lead us. The journey is not easy, and it is not lonely either. God is there with us, rooting for us, pushing us, and carrying us when needed.
<clears throat> if you'll indulge me for just a little bit longer, I have a story that I want to tell you. <clears throat> but I need assistance. Can you all see? I hope you can. This here is John Wesley, not his actual size, um, <laughs> but close enough. Um, <clears throat> if, for those of you who don't know who John Wesley is, he's the founder of the United Methodist Church. Well, not United Methodist. Methodist. Um, anyway. John Wesley found himself in the same place as Elijah. He had come to America to teach Native Americans about God. While he was here, he didn't do so well. <laughs> he made a lot of bad decisions and got himself into some pretty hot water. And some of those decisions chased him back to England. <clears throat> it was partially the failure here in America that pushed him to keep trying to understand his calling. He could have succumbed to his fear of failure, but instead he continued to have faith in his call. He kept striving towards Christian perfection. And on that journey, he created a new denomination. Imagine where we would be had he allowed himself to be defined by fear rather than his faith in God. I don't think we'd be sitting here talking to each other or listening to me. Um, John Wesley's journey brought him back to England, where he created a community of people that would surround him, support him, and help him continue following God's call. Elijah did the same thing in the passage following what we read today. Elijah has led to someone that would share his calling with him. Jesus' first act in his ministry was to create a community. You are part of the Aldersgate community, a community that supports and cares for one another, one that will help others realize their calling. What is it that you are being called to do? And will you allow yourself to be be defined by that calling. You have helped me define and understand my calling. You have given me support, encouragement, and have pushed me when necessary. I challenge you to do the same for one another. Reach out to another and lift one another up. It is with a sad heart that Paul and I leave our ministry here at Aldersgate. But we cannot fulfill our purpose to God if we are not where God needs us to be. We thank you for all that you have given us. We have been blessed to be a part of the Aldersgate journey, and we look forward to what God has in store for us and for you. Amen.